now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? This is episode 96 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, we're revealing the best games that we judged too harshly, plus our thoughts on Game Pass cannibalizing game sales, a review roundup, Like a Dragon Ishin, and more. So let's introduce your two-man panel for the show, starting with me, your graphically impressive host, Marco, and of course, the technical mess of the show, Pablo, is here as well. Uh, Pablo, how you been, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Some uh, some life changes, job changes. Hey, uh, everything's going good though. All positive. Uh, playing video games and uh, just kind of enjoying a couple of days off here. Uh, how about yourself? So, I know you just had so, a birthday. Well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we get to my birthday, which is important, yeah. um, I think the people should know which strip club you're working at now. Um, you know, nah, I mean, I I don't want to keep that to myself because I don't want people coming and, and you know, I don't want to mix business with pleasure, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna tell anybody what your stripper name is or nothing. No, nah, it's Diagon Alley, is my oh, um, no, oh, my stri- <laughs> stripper name. Uh, some say it's from Harry Potter, but it ain't. ain't. Is, I had that way before, you know, that is fucking horrifying. All right, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was in fact my birthday, um. I regret asking that question uh, to Pablo, but yeah, I did turn 38 uh, this Damn. past week. Yeah, 38 of them things, man. Um, I feel it. I ain't going to lie. I feel it. This is probably one of the first times where I look at the number and I look at how my body feels and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of right. You know, yeah, like, 38. Uh, you know, I still clean up relatively well, but my, my knees, bro, my knees are gone. I don't know what happened. They left. I don't know if I just, I don't know if it's like a use it or lose it kind of thing, but man, I'm creaking out here. <laughs> I had some, uh, cartilage went on vacation. The cartilage is gone. Um, it's just gone. I tried to get in the car and I do the thing where I, I grunt when I get in or get out. And I, I literally had a neighbor laugh at me cause they heard me kind of wailing. <laughs> they looked at me like, cause I go, Ooh, I'm just, <laughs> I'm I'm one of those guys now, man. It's official. So, um, you know, I know I'm making myself sound like a 400 pound guy or something like that with you know a neck beard and all that. But you know, I I'm okay. But my body is like, mm-mm. it happens. Sit down man. and play these games, man. That's all you can do. It just but, happens. Your body yeah. starts to yeah. fall apart. I turned 37 this year, so I'm not too far behind you. But I feel do you it. feel it though, or do you not feel it? What do you think? I feel it. I, I feel okay. it, but um, it's been the last year or so, I guess, since I had a, ch- a child. Mm. And then I seen those memes out there. Don't have kids after 35 because you're picking up, oh bending over, bending down. Oh, man. My my back, my lower back is consistently, constantly in uh, pain. So I know. I probably got like nine hernias I don't even know about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hernias aside, we have a great episode lined up this week for sure. Uh, if you like the sound of hernia talk on a video game show uh, give our show a sub 
We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even our official website at cooldowntime.com. If you're feeling extra cool, though, you could also follow us on IG, Twitter, or Hive at It's Cooldown Time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Pablo, we have a pretty fun show lined up this week, so let's not waste any time getting started. And let's do that with a segment devoted to the games we've been playing since you last heard from us that we call Loadouts. Let's go. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, Pablo, so we have some interesting games to talk about this week, and I think the first one I want to turn over to you uh, because it is a game from a franchise that we are both quite fond of, and uh, I'd like to kick it over to you to talk about it. What do you got? Yeah, that's uh, Like a Dragon Ishin. Kind of background on it a little bit. It's a game that released in, I can't even, 2014, maybe, in Japan. uh, And it never made it over here to the States. It's another spinoff from the Yakuza Like a Dragon uh, Mm -hmm. franchise. And they've remade it and finally uh, shipped it over to the West. And I've been playing it alongside uh, Hogwarts Legacy, which we'll we'll touch upon here. Um, I, I... the game opens up in Like a Dragon fashion, where it's melodrama followed into melodrama, followed into the main plot of the game, which is melodrama, which is fantastic. <laughs> it's just, it's it's what these games do best. Um, here's the thing. One thing that I that I was reminded of, um, or at the very least discovered, is that the remake doesn't quite match up with other remakes we've seen even this year alone. You know, we got Dead Space. That remake has been was fantastic, and this is more in line with remakes that we saw a couple of years ago, where they were they looked obviously better, but there are certain things about it that. Mm, you can tell. Okay, this is probably still be still be made on the bones of, of a previous game. Even though it was built from the ground up from a new engine, there's still things that they use, uh, assets that they use when making these remakes. And that's what it feels like. There's there's a lot of moments where um, uh, Ryoma, which is uh, the main character of the game, you see him in a cutscene and you see like skin imperfections. It looks amazing. Yeah. And then it cuts over to the NPC you're talking to, and he looks like he's wearing a potato plastic, quality. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. Plastic mask. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Those are the kind of things that 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 kind of, I won't say ruin the moment, but definitely I feel a little bit kind of like put you off a little bit. I mean, yeah, the, the it, quality of the remake effort just isn't what we've yeah. seen from other stuff, period. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it gets from downright brown and, and, and plain, but never outright ugly, but still. Uh, but for me, I would have to tell you, it's not a deal breaker because it's still every bit of a Yakuza or like a dragon game in terms of the quality of the overall product. While admittedly, I, I think it doesn't hit all the highs of the Judgment spinoffs, it does come very close in many aspects. Uh, I think one of the main uh, pain points a lot of people are going to find out about it uh, is the combat. I-, I think individually each combat stance, which you get four combat stances just like you did in the in the original Yakuza games, um, alone work well. But the problem is, and if you're familiar with the series, when you're fighting in in, in the Yakuza series, it's very cool to, f- to, to go from one one uh, move set to the next and it, it's fluent right. and cohesive it's lacking that cohesiveness and that fluidness because of the way how certain things work for example if you're traditionally using like a a sword and a samurai stance it's very slow and methodical so when you switch over to the faster uh gun dance uh, stance it takes a while to get there because you're you're finishing animations and it doesn't quite 
uh, oh. fully come over. So that stuff is a little frustrating because you're trying to get these combos in, going up on the D-pad to switching your fighting stance, and you have to get hit it, hit it again, hit it again until it finally catches. And that does kind of slow down a little bit the combat and the fun of it. But one thing I did hear someone say is that a lot of people come into the Yakuza series uh, and and I don't think they really come for the combat or the gameplay. They come for the story, and these things kind of inform the story in a certain way. And I feel strongly about that. I think that the authentic, uh, the authenticity of the blade work when you're doing the samurai stance, it really works to the authenticity of the game and the setting because it is it is based on the shogun uh, shogun samurai era. And it's actually a real story. Like, it's a story obviously exaggerated by the Yakuza say, yeah, writers. Embellished, obviously. yeah. <laughs> embellished. Hundred percent, but like the core of the of the story and these characters are all real characters. They're just putting the people from Yakuza series into these um, right. into these character roles. Uh, but honestly, though, when it comes to the world setting uh, and 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 that story, I, I think it. I find it hard to find any of my negatives to be deterrents in my enjoyment of this game thus far. Mm. I I'm absolutely in love with with everything the game is doing in that in that way with with the story and the setting uh but i will say i think that my love of that also comes from the fact that i am a huge yakuza like a dragon fan and i already came into this with preconceived notions of i was going to like it because it would have to be an incredible it would have to fall off incredibly for them not to have followed the 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 way in which they make games, if, if they wouldn't have followed that, it would be completely different. Mm-hmm. It would have been a problem. But it's still very much one of those Yakuza Like a Dragon games. It, albeit, albeit in a very different setting. But I am enjoying the hell out of it so much. Uh, yeah. And uh, I like it. I like it quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I played the combat demo that came out. And uh, I, I told you offline, I, I, I didn't really like it. Um, and I was kind of bummed out about it. Because even though it is... It is off the bones of like the beat 'em up formula from Yakuza games. It, it's not that they've always been great in throughout right. the series. They've been right. ups and downs over the years, and I I kind of felt disconnected from the combat uh, for the reasons that you actually mentioned with switching the stances and stuff. Even just the uh, the, the the visual language I thought was a little off to me too. Um, I I couldn't really feel as much impact with moves and stuff as I wanted to. The lack of lock-on felt clunky and weird to me. Um, so it just... And then the AI kind of felt like they were just sort of orbiting you a lot, and it they didn't feel like they were really thinking and moving in a way that made sense. Um, so it... it I think it all just started feeling like a little bit of like a death by a thousand cuts for me, where like if it wasn't a Yakuza game and I played that demo, I probably would have never batted an eye about buying the game. Um, yeah. I, I will buy it, but I, I think it went from being a day one purchase to kind of like, I'll wait till it's on sale later in the year kind of thing I, when there's a lull. Because I just did, the, the combat didn't sell me. And I, and I think also the quality of the remake work as well. As much as I hate to dwell on that, I do think it does matter to a certain extent because, um, you know, that the look of the game just isn't great. Uh, from yeah. what I've seen, and I do think some of the areas, especially combat areas, look very cut and paste yeah, uh, yeah. as well. And so I I don't think, as much as I love this series, it, does, it doesn't strike me as a game that's worth full price day yeah. one. It's more, for me, worth wait, get it on sale. The thing is, is, is they rely a lot of... In- on the environments, like natural environments in their surroundings because of how minimal, yeah. obviously, the time the time the game takes place. When you're you're playing Kamurocho, there's lights, there's things that are kind of, uh, that they can actually distract you from 
uh, from the actual quality of how the game looks itself. So when there's a lot of browns and some greens, I agree. There, there's definitely moments in that game that are are, are are pretty close to being ugly, but there are also moments that really look really nice. Um, as for all your concerns about the AI and stuff, um, it, it, I think that was more of a demo thing. I will say this, though. The demo is a disservice to the entire... Um, to the combat system because it drops you in level 35 with all your upgrades so there's no ramp up like you you automatically have to know these things that give you a quick overview of how do they work there's no ramp up to that i'm slowly ramping hmm. up to the, to get there and it feels a little bit like i'm understanding a lot of the nuances of each of those moves and each of the power moves that each of those moves has so it, it that ramp up does help quite a bit in terms of your understanding and when to use and what to use and and what's more effective against certain enemy type um but visually everything else you've mentioned i i i agree and i think um it, you're right if this wasn't a yakuza game I would probably be hesitant into ha- taking the plunge, yeah. uh, because it, but because it is a yakuza game I did, and I and I am enjoying it because of the yakuza ness of it, not because of its combat. If this game was no story in all combat, I would be extremely disappointed for sure. But because mm. how the story is so good and it's so it's so wild that I I it's just entertaining as fuck, honestly, to, to play this yeah. game. But I think the the last thing I'll say, and obviously I haven't played the game myself, but I will say I, I hope that moving forward the future of the series with the pipeline they have that they really try to bring the franchise up to speed with other quality of life improvements too. Like I think it's it's starting to become inexcusable that voice acting is only in certain scenes with certain main characters and that side quests aren't, aren't given the same kind of treatment because those are really, well, for a lot of people, the star of the show because of how egregious. wacky they are. It's yeah. egregious in this game because I, 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 I played a little bit of Like a Dragon um, a couple of months ago and mm-hmm. a lot of that is voiced. Not much, right. but a lot of it is. And in in Ishin, it's actually they it, the all the side missions, none of them are voice. It's actually egregious, yeah. and that kind of does suck. Yeah, I will say yeah. that. Much. Yeah. So they they need to find a new like line of consistency to strike when they make these games moving forward. Because I think yeah. it's time for that those kinds of things to happen. There's certain standards that you know it was passable ten years ago, fifteen years ago when Yakuza was still this little back pocket game that no one knew about but it's starting to become more prominent of a name now and you want to capitalize on that by you know really putting a lot of effort and budget into presentation i think even Mm -hmm. some of the ui and and the overlays on that i've seen of of like a dragon look a little cheap to me too they Um, look like exactly how they looked like a decade ago and that's when yeah when it came out and and maybe that's intentional they wanted to keep some but also at the same time most of us never played the the original so it's like well you know why not make it look a little bit cleaner and you know the the style is there i mean they have that in 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 droves the the cover art is beautiful i love the cover art of you know the gun and the sword with uh with homeboy but like they just need to help translate that into the actual product a little bit better uh, so that it feels like because eventually you know it's not going to be crushing anymore so you got to make this look like a good game for next gen yeah. consoles. I mean, um, and I don't think they've quite gotten there yet with it may be an moments, engine problem or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. They, they they pump out these games real quick, so I I, I don't know if it's, it has something to do yeah. with with just not enough time. 
Mm. Um, they have the formula down, but in terms of everything else, the aesthetic of it, yeah, they can always use a lot of improvement. I would even say games like Like a Dragon uh, from two or three years ago. While I, I love that game quite a bit, I, visually it wasn't a stunner in any way, which, you know, I mm-hmm. I, I think that's problematic going forward. I, I will ha- I was, we'll, we'll have to see because there's a lot of that coming down the pike. We have uh, Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erases Dame coming out this year as well, which is the uh, the side story that's that, that gaps Yakuza six with like a dragon uh and then next year uh, apparently we have a new yakuza game coming out or like a dragon game coming out so uh we'll see if they've learned their lesson here but uh uh we'll talk about what the reviews look like there in, in, in our next segment but i yeah. i think they're well warranted honestly uh sure. yeah uh so let's move on uh do you want to go ahead and uh, tackle some hogwarts yeah i do um so you know after mulling it over um, and, and recording with you last time, listening to your impressions of the game, I decided to go ahead and take the plunge myself and pick up Hogwarts Legacy 2. And, um, man. Part two already? God damn. You got the sequel already? You know, uh, so I, I, I dumped in, uh, boy, I put in some work, man. I put like, I think I'm a little over 20 hours in right now. Same. Um, between that and playing Metroid Prime Remaster, that that's been pretty much my plate full on the gaming side of things. So, uh, on the Hogwarts side of things, man, I tweeted it out the other day. This game has no business being this good. It really doesn't have any. It has no right. Completely disrespectful being this good. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and I think it's great though because of the amount of love that they put into realizing this. This the wizarding world, um, you know, which whether it's a part of your upbringing or not, you know, it, it, you can't help but admire it, even if you're not really attached to it, because you take one stroll around Hogwarts Academy and it's teeming with life. Pictures moving, statues are animating. Everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. The 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 ghosts and poltergeists are out there. Peeves is out there running wild. Like it's. The game, it okay. So many game developers call their worlds living and breathing, right? Yeah. This is the epitome of that because it actually yeah. is. Everything is living, breathing, moving, and operating the way it it is in accordance to the way the Wizarding World is. And um, as somebody that's relatively new to this franchise, I I can't help but be in awe of that because it makes discovering things and roaming around and just kind of taking in the sights and sounds that much more interesting. It, it's it's a game that's much more than just being about a pretty looking open world game, right? Or a game that that comes close to the license that it's trying to, you know, tap into. It's so much more than that here. Like it really dove in and it it is again, Pablo said it was a, you know, said this last time around too, but it really is that love letter kind of game. And um even if I don't catch all the references, and I, I'm, I'm catching a lot of them now. I'm getting better at it. But even if you don't catch them all, you know this means something. This thing that they just alluded to, that's important be- for some reason, even if I don't know what it is. And yeah. so it, it's, it's beyond being just a great game. It's an, it's an admirable game because of how much it uh, really taps into the lore and everything in the lore. Even the deepest nuances you wouldn't even know. Um so I admire it from that alone. Then you get to the gameplay side of things. I have I have maybe two critiques so far. Um, I think that the house selection thing, as far as how it plays out in the story, really isn't all that relevant. Um, they they keep it pretty much 
I mean, you can make certain dialogue choices, but you really, who you choose to, to be with as your house really doesn't have much bearing on where the, where the story goes. And I wish there might have been a little bit more to that than there is. Um, and I'd say the second thing is that the story so far is a bit of a slow burn. It's definitely going places and it's leading up to things now. And I'm, I'm starting to see where it's heading and I like it. But the opening hours are very much not boring per se, because I, I do like the Hogwarts shit. Like, you know, we're going to school yeah. to do this class and this class. I love that stuff. But um, figuring out exactly what you're trying to go up against as your character is taking a little long to establish itself for me. But what's making up for that is how fun the combat is, how fun exploring is, how fun it is to jump on a broom and just soar through the map and discover new things and talk to these different students and get to know what their things are. You know, there's a couple of them in particular that I really like as far as their side stories go. Um, So I I don't know how long this game is, but it feels like it's a long ass game and I'm here for it because it just keeps grabbing me and and the fashion sense too, man, all the stuff you can unlock with your look, that stuff is fire to me. So this game just has that, I don't want to compare it directly to The Witcher, but it has that Witcher-like quality where I just can't put it down. I feel like I'm really trying to be as close of an approximation to this student as I can be, you know, like I'm really trying to role play it almost. No. Um, I'm trying to get ready for battles by getting my potions ready. Get you know, like I'm prepping for the missions I have ahead of me, like I do with Witcher. Um, and there's continuity with a lot of those side quests where you come back to people later on and see what the next step of that story arc is. So there's is a lot of a that DNA in there, yeah. which I think is dope. So this game it is a it is the epitome of a surprise to me. But uh you've yeah. obviously had some time since we recorded too. So where are you at? Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you say. I, I, I think it continues to be like an incredible gem of a game. It's not just a good license game. It's a, it's like a really fully great engrossing RPG. Yeah. Uh, when I think about what what are the reasons why I like Western RPGs, uh, I think Hogwarts Legacy checks off a lot of those boxes for me, and I I'm I'm all I'm all the way in. Um, I think that they've done. The impossible, which is capture the magic, you know, pun intended, I guess, of that world into the video game in a video game form where it feels it feels like an extension of what they've already done with, with that IP. Uh, I, but I agree, man. I would say my, my complaints are exactly the same as yours. Um, and I think that the story part, bits of it are are are, are always good. Was always was always going to be the case, excuse me, uh, because of the fact that. When you look at the Harry Potter films in the books, there's so much lead up to the end. You know, it's all consistently and constantly wrapping up, ramping up. So they have to introduce something, uh, a very interesting story in such a short amount of time, comparatively speaking. So, you know, I do think that that was always going to be the case, but I feel... Uh, and I haven't gotten there yet, but I feel like the 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 third the 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 last part of this game is probably going to be something pretty incredible in terms of the story uh, when it all kind of comes together. So, uh, but yeah, man, I I'm enjoying the hell out of it still. Um, it's my main kind of game. It's the one that I'm uh, playing the most of right now, and and it it doesn't seem to stop. I mean, every time I have a main mission that's about to that I can go do, uh, I actually just go through my checklist of all the side missions and do those, mm-hmm. which are 
equally as fun, I think, and they really exp- expand on the world and the characters that are giving you those quests. Um, it's awesome. And I, and I love how some of those side quests become main quests uh, as well. Later down mm-hmm. the road, depending on who you choose to do a side quest for, they have a main quest for you that bleed beautifully into the main part of the story. Uh, right. So they do a really good job. And, and yeah, the, the house stuff is weird. The only thing that I see that's different is sometimes if you are Ravenclaw or Gryffindor, I imagine, uh, when they talk to somebody who is part of that house, they'll change the way that they talk about it in a more of like trying to be like, oh, we have to stick together. Us Ravenclaws, we could have gone to games th- together. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the only time because I know that Serona Ryan is a Ravenclaw. I'm a Ravenclaw. And she talked about Quidditch. And she goes, oh, I wish it wasn't canceled because you and I could have been cheering our team on. Like little things like that. Ah, that okay. That, that, yeah, they, that. that they do say, but that's the only difference in that, uh, which... I wish I I really wish they went all in on the on the house types because when you look at the house types and what you have to be in order to be in the house really feels like RPG uh, mm-hmm. mechanics like uh, RPG behaviors so it's weird that that they didn't use that to be like the main source I guess because people who want to be Gryffindor but want to play like use uh, unforgivable curses yeah. and stuff like that they didn't want to pigeonhole too much but yeah, yeah it I, I, I get why though. they don't, why they wanted to play it a little loose um, and plus yeah. it's just hard to create like the four different types of completely different stories for one big RPG like this too. That's so right. it's probably yeah, that as yeah. well. I just wish there was more of like the, you know, like, Oh, you know, the, the point keeping thing for who wins at the end of every, you know, yeah. um, every, every run, like which house had the most points and stuff like that was more prevalent, but that was my favorite stuff from, you know, the original material, but yeah. um, you know, but it, it's all right. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's not, they don't want to be confined to just what happens within the Academy. They want to like, that's you know, right. obviously have you branch out and be the hero. Uh, but yeah, great game, uh, fun time. And uh, we shall probably be talking about this for game of the year conversations uh, in a couple months from now. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah, um, we do have one other game that needs to be discussed, Pablo, and I'll kick the floor over to you. Uh, to talk about it. What yeah. you got? I got an invite here for the X Defiant um, crossplay insider session. They're basically just kind of testing out all the um, connectivities and, and in terms of how the crossplay works. So I, I went ahead and played that. A few, I played like an hour or two, honestly. Uh, I was actually surprised like how good the game feels to play. Like the gunplay is top notch, feels very crispy, very good to shoot. Uh, classes seem like they add some nuance, but ultimately feel slightly pointless. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of staying power this game has going down the road, just because there's so much like it in in already, and so many games are failing. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if this game actually doesn't come out. There was there's there's no there's no um there's no set release date and the way they talked about it like the conceit of x defiant is that it's a low budget smaller project made by a small group of passionate developers within a major corporation and that they're not getting a lot of money from ubisoft it's more of a passion project they're making a lot of excuses already but i will say this i I think gunplay feels great i I feel like just it Every match that you play kind of reminds me, without the insane gravity stuff, a little bit of Lawbreakers, uh, how that, how that game felt good to play, but ultimately didn't do enough to be special. And I, I feel like this game falls in that same category where I think the attitude, quote, quote, of the game and kind of like the way that visually it looks 
I think all that is really good. I just don't think in terms of what it's doing with its gameplay, I don't think it's doing anything special enough to where it comes out and it's a hit. So um, I just kind of want to talk about it because it's one of those games that was surprised, uh, talked, uh, dropped or announced. And it looked interesting, but at the same time, it's Ubisoft. You're going to have to be a little bit cautious on how you feel, a little pessimistic on, on their approach to these things. And what really kind of, surprise me is the gunplay the gunplay is top-notch and it feels amazing to play so I-, I wonder if that could carry it um in any way uh but yeah that's kind of where i'm at with x flight yeah it's gonna be interesting because the game has more than just itself to worry about it's got to kind yeah. of conquer the stigmas about these kinds of service games it's got to uh, overcome the stigma about ubisoft and the way that they move there's just a lot of things that this game is going to have to do to supersede a lot of that kind of discourse yeah. in in you know the, the the thinking consensus about uh, these kinds of games and from Ubisoft no less. And I don't know if this game, even at its best, is going to be able to shed a lot of that or or distract people from a lot of that. I think what's most surprising to me is that the game just isn't flat out out yet. Um, after being announced for so long, I understand they want to get things tweaked and right, but it, it almost from the outside looking in, and I, this could be way off base. It, to me, it feels like it's, it's not so much about them trying to get the game balanced, right. But almost to try to use play testing as a way to figure out how to make this game the least offensive as a live service game as possible. A game feels look, when you play these games, we played, what's that stupid battle royale game by Ubisoft that didn't last a lot a of them of things. Oh, hyperscape. Yeah, that game felt like ass to play. Like, it felt Mm. totally horrible to play. This game feels the opposite. It feels so fun. Like, I was like, man, I love the gunplay. It's so good. I want to read something real quick by Mark Rubin, who is, I think, uh, he's the head of of Exafine. He said, "Uh, honest sake, Exafine is being made by a small team inside Ubisoft, and we don't have the big money other FPS in the space have, or the number of people at an engine that has been making the game for 20 years. We won't beat them at production value, but we are here trying to make a game that is just focused on being fun. We want to make a game that loves our community, and our community loves we want to listen to be and be transparent about what we are doing and what we can do. We humbly hope that you have a great time playing our game. Uh, so already, um, he's kind of you know, they don't have big expectations. We don't yeah. have big expectations for ourselves. But if the game mm-hmm. is fun enough, and I think that some some people are saying if it feels good to play, that should be enough. And I think you got games like Valorant uh, that are apparently feel amazing to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah which is even, coming in March, uh, I think to consoles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think it's PC first, but I, I, <clears> I, I, I wouldn't mind it on or game pass. I think you're right. It is coming to consoles. I think. Yeah. It's coming to Xbox. But, yep. Yeah. March. Games like that, that feel good to play do mm-hmm. ha- go a long way. So if, if they don't have huge money behind them, maybe they have a little bit of a leeway that they can come out and not, not be like apex Legends success, but because they have a com- strong community behind it, like Valorant and, and CS uh, um, and counter-strike go, uh, if they can gather that and have that, then this could be kind of a mainstay within the deep pockets of those communities, which I think these games like that sh- should exist. I don't think every game has to be this huge apex bombast of a game that ha- you know that completely is selling millions and millions of mo- uh, uh, money when it comes of dollars when it comes to Game Pass or when it comes to uh, battle passes something like that. So there is a space for this. And again, I know I said this five hundred times, but it feels good to play. I'm not even that's not even exaggeration. It feels really good to play. So oh, that's good. At the, we'll at see. The very we'll least. see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Well, I think that is going to wrap up loadouts for this week, Pablo. So why don't we go ahead and transition to the new segment of the show that we call Hit Points. Let's go. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, so kind of a light week when it comes to news and and happenings, but uh, we have two uh, Hit Point news items that we will talk about, Pablo. Uh, Where do you want to start with this one? You want to tackle yours, or you want me to go ahead and jump in mine? What do you think? I'll just... I'll. Yeah, go ahead and jump in yours, and we'll wrap up with mine, just because mine is a little more sustenance there in terms of what we can talk about. Okay. All right. Shout out to sustenance. All right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, Pablo, you know, it used to be that you can just spend these opening months of the year catching up on your backlog and just kind of working on some games that you might not have got the chance to finish last year. But that ain't the case anymore, man, because, uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been kind of a hard hitting couple of, uh, you know, opening weeks to the year. Uh, and we have some more games that dropped recently that have been getting some reviews. And we've talked about some of these on the show already. We're playing some of them already. But it's interesting just from a review standpoint to kind of look at how these games are being received critically and talk about it from that standpoint. Uh, yeah. And there's four games that have recently dropped uh, that, that we can talk about in that way. Starting with Metroid Prime Remastered. At a 96, Pablo, on Open Critic, yeah. we have Wild Hearts uh, that dropped from EA, which got an 80 on Open Critic so far. Octopath Traveler 2 at an 85 on Open Critic, which is currently the exact number I predicted for that game. What a um, And Like a Dragon, Ishin, <laughs> which we talked about at the top of the show, at an 82, which I'm also kind of right about, not on the money, but close to it. Uh, Pablo... What are your thoughts on these open critic scores? What are these saying to you? Anything stand out that you want to touch on here? Yeah, this this year is going to be crazy. I, I remember last year, uh, hard pressed to find a game getting an eighty something. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a lot of seventies, a lot of bad mm-hmm. games, and off rip here, we got games at ninety six. We got games at eighty, eighty five. Fantastic uh, scores. I'll have a question for you about Metroid Prime Remastered because I might I have a massive pet peeve of uh, and it's just something that I've talked about on the show before of people unable to enjoy games because they like them, but rather because now they have to be the greatest game of all time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of discussion about Metroid Prime Remastered is now that it is the best game on the Switch. It is the best looking game on the Switch, and it is the best first person campaign of all time i've heard those three um i heard those three conversations uh over and over i on the visual standpoint i i guess i can i have a say i don't think it's the best looking game on there i still think that's probably um probably breath of the wild still looks pretty fantastic on the switch um but i don't know i I guess it's close I, i i i don't know it just it still doesn't look like a next gen or a current gen game to me in that sense there's a lot of stuff with the light that the lighting that works really well now for the other two things, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I really haven't touched much of this game. I couldn't tell you. I don't even know where the campaign goes. If it turns out to be better than for my for my money, you know, um, uh, I forgot the game, so I'm not even going to mention it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's doing it, y'all. He's doing it. I, I haven't done it in a while, but yeah. <clears throat> What's that it, game? The uh, one with the game. The one with the gameplay. Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2. There it is. I feel like Titanfall 2 is the best first story uh, campaign, uh, first player uh, for FPS campaign. So what do you what do you think about that specifically? Because I'm curious to think how, how you feel about this, because I, I really hate yeah. that those pain points. 
Now, I want to take my, my bias towards Metroid out of the equation to answer this question, because, you know, as a fan, I could say, oh, it's the, yeah, it's the best looking game. It's one of the best games ever. It's one of the best first, per-, you know, and, and it, that really doesn't help too much. Uh, I will say even even if I were to shut a lot of that off, right, um, the, the, the level of work that they put into the remake is not as loud and in your face as other remakes are and that's really because the switch can only do but so much but when you look at comparisons between the two i think the visual uh, the visual improvements are very very good uh to the point where i think what they're striving for is that it's the game that you mentally remember but um you know if you were to go back and play the original gamecube version you would be like this looks way worse (laughs) than the remake does so i actually think that it is the best looking pound for pound game on the switch right now um obviously against the breath of the wilds of the world it's art style you know as a as a variable too and 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 that's where it becomes subjective but i think in terms of pure like effects and and different like you know particle effects and lighting and and the type of um you know way that the overall art style and visual fidelity kind of meld together i do think that it if it's not the best i think it's it's right up there as as probably second or third but i personally i say it's number 1 now the campaign part part of it that's also subjective because this this is a metroidvania game and so if people are not comfortable with getting spun around and kind of i don't know what to do next i'm kind of lost what's the next place i'm supposed to go then it's probably not going to be someone's favorite first person campaign because a game like titanfall 2 is very punchy it's very like here's where we're going next here's what you got to do and there's no you know, figuring anything out on your own, basically. So it is a style kind of thing, right? But but as for a Metroidvania game, um, it is it is incredible. So it, I think as a byproduct of that, you can say it, it is one of the best first-person campaigns ever because it's one of the best Metroidvanias ever, too. And the translation into a first-person version of that is so well done that you can't help but give it some flowers for that. So I, I think that's justified, too. Uh, overall, I think the 96 is deserved. I think a lot of the, I don't want to say confusion, but I think because Metroid feels like such a, a low priority for Nintendo sometimes, it can almost feel a little bizarre to see it rated that highly because you're like, damn, you know, I could see that for a Zelda. I can see that for a, a, a Mario mainline game, but Metroid, really? And the answer is, yeah. Because this game is great, and uh, it, it it did some things, you know, twenty some odd years ago that um, I think hold up remarkably well, and the quality of the the remaster work uh, just adds yeah. to that in ways that enhance the experience to me. So I, th- I think it's deserved. I don't think the review the, the review score itself. I am not shocked by it at all. The original mm-hmm. had a ninety seven. So yeah. I mean, if this is just as good as that, and it's brought it over to to, to the current generation of gaming, mm-hmm. that is one hundred percent well deserved. I I, I just kind of always take issue with 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 the best of all time uh, conversations. Yeah, when it, it's, it's thrown around too much like, lately. It is. Yeah, nothing yeah. could ever be good for me it has to be the best of all time and yeah. if you disagree you're you're a liar but um yeah i was just curious about that because i really can't don't have two legs to stand on in terms of talking about the game in any mm-hmm. intelligent way because i'm not playing it uh but i was just curious in terms of that because I, I i yeah. saw those three things being thro- thrown around very often and i was a little confused as to man really like uh, i guess i just have to play it but um yeah, and then all the other games on here, like Wild Hearts, uh, it's a Monster Hunter a clone. I think one of the main issues there is that it's um, it has some technical issues. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look that good to me, actually. 
yeah i think the yeah the art style i think is is a little weird too but it is very much a a, a monster hunter clone which is cool i think if you can make those games and, and, and be just as good as those games those games can be fun to play um but yeah it's a lot to learn though there's just so many systems and stuff in the monster hunter series i don't know how much yeah. of a good job this game does of kind of streamlining that and making it more accessible but if you are trying to compete with monster hunter i think that's the best way to do it it's to try to yeah. make it less systemy you know if that makes at sense. at least from and, everything that i've seen people talk about it that it is it is actually not uh, that accessible like it is like man it is like one for one monster hunter it's so it, crazy it, how dense those games are with all those systems and mechanics like I, I i think it's great that they're there because it gives the games depth but it also feels like if man you got to kind of sink or swim in some respects with those types of games too like if you don't yeah. really invest yourself into learning all those things you will not get the the fun out of it that it has to offer and i think that's where i've always had trouble with these types of games it's like i don't want to give that much focus to learning umpteen different systems just to be able to extract a little bit of fun out of it you know because uh, half the time the gameplay doesn't even feel all that good most in most times and I'm, and I'm saying this more for monster hunter than this game obviously but i think just carryover from that makes me very like skeptical of of games but, like this, and that's why I was interested in Wild Heart and uh, and Wild Wild Hearts because of the fact that I know that Monster Hunter World was kind of stepping over to the more accessible part mm -hmm. of, of the Monster Hunter franchise, and then Monster yeah. Hunter Rise, which is the most recent one that came out, is back into the 3DS version of those games that are incredibly dense. Uh, so having that those two things and having something that wants to compete with that, I would assume just like you would have, that uh, Wild Heart is a much more accessible uh, Monster Hunter-like, and it's not, uh, but, you know, it's still getting good score. I guess people who love those kind of games are are into it, so that's good. Yeah, and then, obviously, we bad. talked about Like a Dragon Ishii, and I think 82 is perfect. I think that is uh, a great score for that game. I think that's around where I would put it. I know when you look at Lost Judgment um, uh, two years ago, got an 83, uh, that was a little low for me. Um, I think yeah, that doesn't, yeah. yeah, it's a better game. But a lot of people had weird problems with that game. A lot of people lied about that game, about uh, just the entire beginning intro of that game. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think Like a Dragon Edition 82, an, an open critic. I think that's perfect. I think that's exactly where it's at. I think that the story really carries that game, but you are doing a lot of you know combat in it so it does hold it back a little bit in that sense so 82 is perfect yeah yeah i'd say the only other feedback i have is like i i guess i got to put more respect on octopath traveler's name as a franchise For like real. i predicted i predicted 85 so i was you know i, I guess you i was over in the right more than heads yeah, more than me and i was shocked I, I i did 83 as a under thinking it's gonna yeah. be even lower than that yeah right yeah and part of me was like i don't know maybe i went too high but you know i i guess i guess and i don't have anything against the series i just don't find it particularly engaging but like I guess this game has has some legs to it, man. This franchise is like really good for people. So hey, I'm 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 happy about that. But it's pretty. I don't know what it is. I just doesn't. It doesn't connect with me at all, dude. The first Octopath for me was a problem where I realized I was about halfway. I actually put like thirty hours into that game, and then those stories really don't mesh over. Like they don't really like uh, all come together in a really eloquent way and so i was like oh so maybe octopath traveler 2 does but there's the demo i might try the demo but there's just no way i'm gonna play octopath traveler yeah. <laughs> those games are so long and so and it's like we're heading into like real 
hardcore, like real time consuming games coming down the line. Like, you know, there's just no way. But yeah. hey, for fans of uh, for fans of, of this uh, uh, of the Octopath Traveler, the Live Alive, the Triangle, uh, all those you guys, all them good, shapes, man. the triangles, the yeah. octagons, or whatever the fuck. I happen. put this. I put. I put this game in the same kind of um, uh, in the same kind of RPG as the uh, as the other Final Fantasy clone, uh, which I had the name on the tip of my tongue, and now I forgot. How, Guys, I, yo. I just. I, I don't know, man. Shouts out to dementia today. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> my brain is doodled right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on, Pablo. Why don't you kick Bravely off default the second too. and final that's game? What's that's that? the game? Bravely default too. That oh was the game man, about. yeah, that is rice cake bland. The game right there. My God, <laughs> um, saying, it's so hardcore. It's like all those games are together in one. They they kind of. Oh yeah, they, no, I get you. Those, they're all fans of those kind of uh, JRPGs, which I am not. Yeah, so. Let's move on to the last hit points, Mark. I know you were uh, trying to get me there, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> Microsoft confirms that Game Pass <gasps> cannibalizes game sales. Shocker. The caveat about this is that this is a uh, claim is being done by Microsoft to the UK Competition and Marketing Authority, which we all know what's happening there. While this seems like a tactic for Microsoft to try and push this deal through, it also doesn't seem like this big revelation some are trying to make it out to be. It's is it really that big of a shock that Game Pass game sales on the on the Xbox platform are outselling like physical and and, 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 and digital sales? Uh, if Game Pass is growing as they have claimed, sales must be declining. I mean, that's kind of how this works. Uh, what is our take on this? Uh, does this matter, or is this just nonsense that people have decided is newsworthy? Um, here's the thing. Maybe my answer is going to surprise you a little bit here, but I I I don't think it's nonsense and i i do think it matters because it does kind of contradict in some mild respects some of the things that i think microsoft has tried to emphasize about game pass over the years and a lot of the narrative about game pass in that it actually helps promote sales for games um which i'm sure it does help right when games leave the service hey before it goes might you know maybe we'll put it on sale you can grab it cheap blah 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 um, but this sounds like a kind of contradiction to a lot of that narrative that we've kind of heard about over the years about Game Pass. So ultimately, I think it is strategy for the CMA part of the, the, the situation here. But I think they got to kind of be careful about not not throwing Game Pass under the bus too much. Right. As far as like, you know, cannibalizing sales, because it still has to be an attractive option for studios and publishers to want to um you know explore if you're making it sound like you know well it, if you put it on game pass kiss your sales goodbye then i don't know how much of an incentive that's going to be for uh, some third parties not all but some third parties to want to engage with the service right so i think they have to be careful to not put their foot in their mouth about this yes it's okay to kind of say that stuff as a tactic to get this cma deal you know a- accounted for but don't go too far with it and make Game Pass look like it's maybe counterintuitive for uh, studios to work with in the future, because then that kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, um, trying to get all this done if you're just going to make Game Pass look weak or um, counterproductive for sales in the process. So I don't know if that kind of goes against where your headspace is at, but I think it's okay to say this stuff, but it's just don't go too far and make it look a little weird uh, and off. I think. 
But I think I think it's a little nonsense in that uh, you know a lot of uh, Phil's co- you know the things he said are being pulled, but they were from very early on in the Xbox uh, Game Pass where he said that when you put a game on Game Pass, it rises it raises the game's profile, therefore it helps with the game in terms of sales, which at that time was even met with some skepticism. But I think early on, uh, Game Pass being such a question mark and how long will this game survive and what if this game leaves Game Pass? I think, I, I know that I've bought games leaving Game Pass early in the early days uh, just because I didn't want to lose them. And I think that's probably what he meant or he probably was lying out his ass, whatever. You know, I think ultimately when you look at the specifics in terms of what they shared with the with the UK authority was was sales figures even reaching over 12 months so I mean that's where I go with the nonsense where what if I told you a game sold less a year from now like yeah of course that's 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 gonna be the case but um I just think a lot of the stuff is business related I think um when you look at the third-party games that are actually coming onto the console itself onto the game pass the service itself yeah I think a lot of those a lot of those times those companies need that extra money up front you know you you got indie companies like uh cooking simulator making six hundred thousand dollars uh before they even sold a single copy they on consoles. Microsoft like, I know that yeah, but it, it, it's like it's not it's they're not taking money. They're not taking pot money away from people. And in some cases, they might be, you know, in some cases, that game could have been a hit out of Game Pass and sold millions and millions. Sure. But it's hard to tell when a game is going to be successful to, to kind of hold Phil Spencer and, and Game Pass to that is a little weird for me because it's like, you don't know, you're, they're getting money up front. They're getting a lot of money up front. And then games like uh, Gardens of the Galaxy, which unfortunately did not sell well did go on Game Pass and then see an increase in sales in Steam because the conversation in the game that was there. So there, that has that has happened mm-hmm. before. But in terms of overall, I would assume most of the games on Game Pass, when you look at the sales as opposed to people playing in them on Game Pass, I'm sure more people are playing games like that on Game Pass than they are uh, on regular consoles. Like, for example, I'm sure that um, I'm sure that games that are coming out the now like the uh, uh like the minecraft game coming out it, it's mainly going to be on game pass and it's probably going to cannibalize sales on different consoles but you know I, I think that's more or less par for the course in terms of what they're expecting but yeah. um i don't know i don't know. I, I i think there's i think there's something to it i think i think definitely mm-hmm. like the conversation needs to be made like how what is the long-term ramifications of this i think that's important to, to note i think if for example, is this going to hurt Game Pass? Are companies, third-party games, going to be less reluctant to put their games on there if they're seeing a decrease in sales across the board, therefore hurting the Game Pass profile in terms of having great third-party games? Because their first-party games, that's always going to be on that uh, on that system. So yeah, I mean, I guess the weird part for me is if you're going to to, to the CMA to say, hey, we really want this deal with ABK to go through because one of our business models is actually cannibalizing sales. That's a little weird <laughs> to say, hey, the thing that we're doing is actually affecting us and so we need you to approve this deal for us yeah. because what we're doing is affecting sales <laughs> like it, at some point you it, go well then then rethink your business decision then right yeah like, but that, that's why i don't think it's a big deal because i don't think that that's exactly what's happening but if you listen to to, to playstation and them you know they definitely will talk about those kind of things as huge you know huge moments in gaming that are changing gaming that are kind of leading anything everything toward xbox and how this uh, acquiring this will increase that profile for game mm-hmm. pass and then make you know so i guess they're they're, they're it's lame because they're not arguing 
with the the CMA, they're they're counter arguing Sony's claims. So it's kind of like these these little underneath like these uh, battles that are happening uh, that are so lame that I feel like mm-hmm. poison the well a little bit when it comes to get, getting the correct information because you get things like this and you're like, right. oh my god, Xbox is killing video games uh and <laughs> they're killing themselves man but yeah, the thing so about it is is that you know what annoys me is that they're also so secretive about game passes numbers and data yeah that when you yeah. hear stuff like this it's almost jarring because you don't really know the full extent of what they're actually talking right. about like for instance they're saying games cannibalized uh, uh game sales are cannibalized are they talking about third-party games or are they just talking about their own first-party games like what what yeah. where where are they drawing that that conclusion from is it just their software they're talking about because then yeah obviously it you know your first party games are always going to be on the service because that's what you wanted so yeah it's going to naturally have an effect if you're talking about third party games in this context that's where it gets a little tricky because you know that's really not your that that's not you that's not your product per se that's not your product, so yeah. then how do you uh, you know so then cannibalizing in what way and but to what degree you know like how how can microsoft tell me how much a uh square game is suffering when they're not square and they don't know that maybe they may, they may not know but that data right so where is all this coming why, from that's why the word cannibalizing game or, or that phrase just it doesn't what exactly does it mean it's because a blanket I think term for, for something that we don't know yeah because for me okay Atomic Heart is coming out on Tuesday. It's also coming out on PlayStation 5. I'm going to play it on the Game Pass. So if I intend, my intention was to buy it on, on PlayStation, then yes, technically Game Pass just cannibalized the sale for right. uh, Atomic Heart on PlayStation, which, sure. yeah, that's going to happen. That's part, that's why they do it, because we want people to go over to their uh, to their to to their service, but it's just a weird blanket statement, which I agree with you. It adds to the whole kind of weirdness and the and just the secretiveness of Game Pass when it comes to numbers. Yes, our numbers have increased by how much? One, one million. Mm-hmm. You know, like where are you there? And it's the same thing with their sales. They, they never really are upfront about that kind of stuff. Maybe because they don't need to be, but ultimately, when you have these conversations, it, it adds to the whole. All right, man. But what exactly are you saying here? You know. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's getting more tangled by the day with this whole damn thing. But we'll keep tab uh, to keep tabs on it uh, and see what happens. I guess if we have we have to. Jesus. Yeah, it's getting old though. Uh, older than me. Um, which is pretty damn old. All right, all right. I couldn't hear you over my hearing aid that I turned down. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, before I need a double hip replacement, let's jump into the main event of the program. Uh, we call the Checkpoint Chat. Let's do it. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, so you may remember recently we did a segment about the games that we loved until we didn't. Well, we're kind of flipping that. We're going to do the opposite this week with games that we uh, may have judged too harshly at first that we came around on later on uh, in our gaming lives. So each of us picked five games that we're going to talk through uh, and explain kind of our mental track record with these games, why we were so harsh towards those games in the early stages, why we came around and where we think of those games uh, in terms of how good they are now. Um, So I think we'll go round robin up in this bitch, uh, Pablo. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to kick it over to you first. Uh, tell me the, the first game that you think you judged too harshly. 
Yeah, uh, that's going to be Diablo 3. Um, mm. You know, it, it's just... I I had played Diablo 3 uh, when it came on consoles very early on, and it was like, not for me. Then it came out on the Switch. I bought it on the Switch. I was like, this is not for me. I just didn't really... L- didn't really get it i think that's the main thing i i i don't know i don't i don't want to i don't know what i was expecting but what i wasn't expecting is this um looter shooter mm. uh, for lack of a better term or looter slasher or whatever however you play uh and i really wasn't uh too in tune with how much your character matters in terms of their skill set and how picking the right one can make or break it for you you know and i was just kind of like Plan to play this like a action RPG, and while it is that, there's so much to this game as well that you have to really uh, understand. And for me, it took a while, but finally, you know, kind of dug my heels in and, and really started to understand what Diablo Three was all about. And I have to say, man, I was, I'm, I was absolutely all about it. Uh, I, the, the narrative throughout was, you know, something that I was kind of shocked. I, I just didn't, I, I didn't think of this game as a narrative-based game. There's a lot of sto- really cool story elements here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that the gameplay is fantastic. I think that the procedurally generated, which I'm not a fan of, I think that works to its advantage when you go into those uh, dungeons. I think all that stuff is really, really dope. And I and I, and I love the loot. I love looting. I love getting, you know, the best gear. Um, I, I, I like seeing your character's progression and how you know and just how the game plays itself it just it's so it's so good it's such a good game and i'm sure i and even now i have not experienced it with others and i can just imagine it how this game is so much more fun just going in a dungeon with a group of friends or just a friend and just kind of going through that it's a, it's just a it's one of those games that i understand why people play these games forever because you it's just it's just so fun and it's it it's constantly they're constantly uh you know, upgrading it, giving it new seasons, they're, they're adding characters, adding story elements. That it's a, it's a very I know the the the, the term living in live uh, a game as service or a living game is used a lot, but I think that this is the epitome of that. It is fantastic, and it has made me more than anything absolutely ecstatic for Diablo Four. Um, and I think that uh, yeah, I love it. I love it so much. So it, that's a game that I went from absolutely no love and just completely not getting it and not understand what the hype was about to just becoming a fan to the point where I'm like chomping at the bit here waiting for Diablo 4 to release. See, this is why Papa gets on my damn nerves, right? Because he, he didn't tell you the fact that he went on Twitter when he finally discovered that Diablo 3 was, was good and he was like, how come nobody told me this was a good game? No, Listen, man, Pablo has this way with, with his little Twitter fingers where he just decides <laughs> nobody helped me and he has he creates this gamer victim complex where nobody guided him <laughs> to the to so the righteous I path. Being, I was in facetious because I even tagged you in that in, in that and then tweet. He's gonna, so I was then this this demon decides to just completely <laughs> avoid acknowledging that we're supposed to be eating crow today, Pablo. You need to get yourself a forkful, this bitch, all right? Because you were supposed to talk about how you you framed your friends. All right, you misrepresented no. us. You mischaracterized us. Nobody, right? man. Nobody told me this game was good. Everybody just never even mentioned it. Sick I don't think Marcos played this game. I'm sick of it, man. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We talk about a game that gets on your nerves. It's payback, and that is Horizon Forbidden West, ladies and gentlemen. This man needs new hips. You dick right in the hell out this game. Listen, Aloy is my my boo. All right, now listen. We got on this show and we ripped this game apart 
uh, for, for many a time. And Stand by it. It wasn't until we got to Game of the Year deliberations and I had finally gotten through everything I wanted to play. Uh, and I, I circled back to this game because just something made me feel like I was not playing this game uh, with the right mindset when it first came out. Uh, Elden Ring was a hop, skip, and a jump away. And all I could think about was how close Elden Ring was. The buzz was getting crazy. Everybody was saying, yo, this game is special. When the review drops, you're going to be shocked at how good we reviewed the, like, and so you get to a point, at least for me, where it's like, all right, all I can think about is how close we are to this game coming out. So Horizon comes out, right? And admittedly, I'm just trying to burn through the game as quick as I can because I want to clear my plate for Elden Ring, right? So I'm skipping a bunch of shit. I'm not really paying too much attention to the story. I'm getting impatient because now it feels like the game is dragging on when I wanted it to be over because Elden Ring comes out, whatever, tomorrow, at, you know, at the time, right? And so I'm becoming impatient with the game for things that really aren't the game's fault. So when I circled back to it towards the end of last year, I really committed myself to saying, you know what, I'm going to give this game my full attention. I'm not going to try to rush through things. I'm going to try to, to play the game that's available to me and play it to its fullest extent. And that means utilizing the different gameplay options that there are with different type of, in different weapon types and not just, okay, I'm going to grab this bow and try to you know just do it this one way, but actually set traps and, and be more deliberate and um, try to be a little bit stealthier and stuff like that. And I found that the game's depth was way more uh, enjoyable than I thought. And the same held true for the storytelling as well. Now, I'm not saying this is poetry. I'm not saying this is like amazing, you know, Mass Effect levels of storytelling. But I think that the the characters, the, the, the companions in this game, and you really take the time to talk to them in between missions, do their side missions, which are like their companion quests that, you know, like for one one character, you know, he lost his arm in a, in a battle. And one of his side quests is that you can kind of help him get uh, a prosthetic put in place and you get to learn more about him and the process and his backstory with the tribe and blah, blah, blah. Like you end up kind of piecing things together and going, oh, you know what? These characters are pretty all right. You know, and so I think for me, and I can only speak for myself, is I didn't give this game enough time to breathe uh, when I first played it. I I wanted something that felt like a night and day difference to Horizon Zero Dawn. And when it didn't feel like that right away, I think I just checked out and I started setting my sights on Elden Ring and I didn't look back. So I, I had to eat some crow on that one. And that's not going to be popular. People still don't really care for Horizon for some reason. I have turned around on that. So I'm 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 sorry, Aloy, my bad. Yeah. No, I, it's just it just I think the reasons in terms of how I felt so much like uh, uh Zero Dawn and and I think a lot of the open world fatigue has really affected me uh recently in the in the way where Elden Ring comes around and kind of changes the way you look at open world games. It's really hard to go back to, to traditional open world games. So I, I'm actually worried about how I'm going to feel about um, these big open world games coming out in, in, in a while because I feel like I'm going to be unfairly probably comparing them to to Elden Ring, and I, I, I'm I'm curious to see how I feel about more traditional open world games uh, down, mm. down the line. But uh, yeah, my, let's move on here. A game that we both have, I think, on the same level we do. here. It's, yeah. Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, I this game came out and I played a lot of it. 
Uh, I thought it was decent. Uh, it was end of December. I remember very clearly when it came out. And there was not much to play. And so I played this reluctantly a lot of times. I, I, I The main the main kind of uh, allure to the game at that time was the hostage mode, which wasn't very good. Um, uh, and so it just it's a game that I, I, I liked. I, I still kind of was mad at it because it, it replaced Patriots, which was supposed to be like the more traditional single player uh, Rainbow Six game. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when I when when I stopped playing it, it was it was just kind of like a game I fell off of, and really was would never thought of it again until a, a year, two years later. I want to say I think it was almost two years later, where for whatever reason, Marco was it. It was Marco who started playing it again and kind of was falling into it. And I joined him and I became and still am in many ways kind of, of always fighting the urge not to play this game. Um, it's, it's, I became obsessed with it. I think that the, they've switched over to the bomb mode, which is way more tactical. And, and, and it's it just it, it's an overall better experience. And obviously playing this game with friends is is a huge bump. But I will say, unlike Overwatch, which is a game that I can only almost exclusively play with Marco, is I could play Rainbow Six Siege by myself, uh, like do a couple of modes there by myself, uh, runs by myself, and just have as much fun. Because the community, which isn't great, for the most part, if you're playing ranked, they 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 play the game right, you know. They they, they stay within their their zones for the most part. There are people who, who go out of it, but in terms of the overall gameplay and, and and how that game has transformed and how each character and each uh really play to your strength as a player. And once you start learning how to use them, I think that Rainbow Six Siege is for my money one of the best multiplayer experiences I had in the last couple of decades. Uh, to be quite honest, and it is completely different from your Call of Duties, your Halos, your Gears of War but it, it's done in, in such a way where it really just it really resonate resonated with me the second time around in a way that even till today I, I have it still installed on my xbox i think about playing that game every time i see it i'm like oh should i just try Cause I, but i know i could because i was staying up to 3 4 a.m playing that motherfucker <laughs> that yeah. second time around but i yeah rainbow six siege is an absolute incredible multiplayer experience that didn't show out at first and then it evolved into something amazing so merkel what do you think yeah, you know, my hang-up with this game was two things. It was the fact that the game was so optically, like, lay down prone and just stare at a corner and wait. It was like camping the game. And, and not that I have a huge problem with camping. I think it's a viable strategy with shooters, if that's controversial. I don't know. But I, I, I thought the problem was, like, Okay, like, okay, you know how you can kind of like melee a little pee hole through a wall, right? And then you just <laughs> aim your reticle through there and you just wait. Like, to me, like, okay, I, I could be doing anything more fun than that, right? And so when you see competitive players doing things like that and you see like the bobbing of like, you know, how you can angle yourself left and right to aim, at, at a certain point it all came together visually for me and like, this looks whack. You know, like, and then, like, okay, there's operators, and they all do, like, a little different thing. Okay, whatever. You know, and then there's microtransactions all over the damn place. So all that just kind of melded in my brain as this, like, big blob of, nah, I'm good on that. And so I didn't touch it. And then, you know, I got caught in a big, you know, bout of gaming boredom one fine day, and I was probably itching for a multiplayer game or something like that, and I... I had bought it, so I re-downloaded it again just to see, you know, okay, what have they done to update the game? How does it feel? Maybe I was wrong, and I was dead-ass wrong. It was super fun. 
Um, and I think part of it was because I was getting burned out at that point on like the Call of Duty formula, where it's just run and gun and die and respawn and fight and kill streaks. And you know, this was more subdued, and I had time to think and be tactful. You know, and then when you jump back in with me and then we can strategize stuff, you know, and, and, and you know, OK, I'll, I'll be this character. You got that character. I'm going up here. Uh, oh, there's a guy up here. You, and you're kind of coordinating oh, as yeah. a team in a way you can't do with traditional shooters. Then it started to click like, ah, oh, all right. Now I get why this game is built the way it is. And then it became an obsession for me, too. So looking back on it now, I think it, it was much more than just the game where you lay prone and aim into the distance it, it's a lot more than that if you uh, are playing especially with somebody you know and not just randoms but um yeah. and, and then the meta is just you know constantly getting improved on and and it's always an interesting new operator that they're adding to the equation now so there's never a loss for things to do it still has its its fuckery in some respects sure. but um overall i yeah I, I had to come around on that one and, and eat some crow too because it is it is damn good i have to say it yeah. is good and, and they have and operators are, are are really good because they have <clears throat> they have one just for about every kind of type of shooter player you know it, you know you have one you have like uh uh buck who's a lot more those who are more traditional shooter type games they have a lot of mm -hmm. more uh a lot of more things in their arsenal that are that lend themselves to that and then you got other characters that really just uh it could be more tactical if you want to play it that way i i, I think that this game is I, I would i'd be hard pressed to find a better multiplayer game uh, especially now after the fever of Overwatch has kind of come down a little bit, which Overwatch one is is incredible, but uh, I think that Rainbow Six Siege could give give uh, that uh, run for its money when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, and we'll move on, obviously, but I think to me, Rainbow Six has more legs than Overwatch does because they're. I feel like the things they've done to improve that experience over the years have been more meaningful than what Overwatch has done. And obviously, they're, they're trying to be they're two very different games, and I'm not trying to compare them like they're apples to apples here. But I just feel like the, the support that goes into Rainbow Six, um, even down to things like toxicity with the community... I think they do a much better job of trying to manage that stuff as much as possible. Like there's actually, you know, some new seasonal stuff coming out or already out. I don't know, but where they've trying to take even more measures to make the game more fun to play with people and not getting trolled or, you know, team killed before the round even fucking starts and things like that. So I just feel like there's a lot more attention that goes into making the experience, not just better from a meta standpoint, but also like from a community standpoint than Overwatch is. Overwatch can be, a cesspool sometimes the people that just yeah. you fucking talk and uh, you know and they call you every name in the book like the old school xbox days it's it's not fun yeah. and, and it's good they have to take care of their players that way because this yeah. game isn't a game you can just jump into like it 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 it, it, it requires a lot of your time absolutely you know? absolutely and so the fact that they're that they're respecting that and at least in the attempt to try to make that a more smoother experience is commendable honestly for sure yeah um yeah, so the next game I got here is Gears of War 3. Now, Gears of War 1 and 2 are fantastic. 3 is fantastic. But let me tell you why I had to come around to it. I don't know what the hell. I, I don't know where I was in, in, in my time uh, in, in life at that at that point. But Gears of War 3 was a slog. I felt like you felt when you're playing Horizon Forbidden West at first, where I was just kind of playing it because I wanted to finish it and just not enjoying my time with it. It really just, even the Dom stuff, you know, uh, 
spoiler for Gears of War 3, uh, even the Dom stuff when he died, like, I just wasn't in the mind, mind space where that really got me in any way, shape, or form. I, it was fatigue with shooters. I don't know what it was. Mm. But then a couple of years later, I played that game again, and it was like I was playing it for the first time. Like, the Dom death scene really got me. Like, I was like, you know, stop. <laughs> like, it got me the way it was supposed to, and nothing that Gears of War 3 did on release didn't change anything. It's just... It really is, and it's interesting that Mark had brought that about Horizon from the West because it really is how you feel at any point in time because that can really affect your mood and how what you're feeling and wh- how you're playing the game and why you're playing the game. So, yeah, Deem- Gears of War 3 is a huge turnaround because I, for years after that game came out, I thought it was absolute dog shit. I just couldn't even comprehend why people were liking it so much and why uh, it was getting such uh, praise. And then, obviously, I was absolutely dead wrong. Uh, it, it's a fantastic game. Game and great uh, uh, it takes that story and is a great um, a great uh, and send off to everybody with Dom and his father uh, you know Marcus Phoenix's father all that stuff is, does a really good job in terms of storytelling so I was just wrong about it it was just in the mind space but Gears of War 3 uh, I think I would say it's probably my second favorite Gears of War game after Gears of War 2 mm. if I'm being completely honest uh, in terms of the original uh, trilogy uh, because I think that the new trilogy is is just as good, if not better. I, I, that might be controversial. Yeah, but it's still I, a work I in progress. We'll see how the next yeah, game pans out. But yeah, yeah, see, it's shaping sure. up. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. shaping up. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I felt about Gears of War 3. So, but yeah. I definitely came around. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one for me, too, in, a, in some ways, because I think I was dealing with a little bit of Gears fatigue around the time 3 came out, and yeah. the formula didn't Same. change enough to be like excited. So yeah. I'm like, well, it just seems like it's going to be more of the same. And I, I think. <clears throat> I haven't really had that come around moment that you have yet. I still look at that game yeah. and go, man, I feel like that was just a blur. You know, like I remember yeah. a good amount of Gears 1. I remember a good amount of Gears 2. But then Gears 3 came along and I might have just been, <clears throat> I don't know, like checked out from Gears for a bit. Yeah, but I, it, I think that's part of it too. Yeah. 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 Well, my next game, Pablo, and this is more of like the the whole trilogy that came out. But it is, it is the uh, the modern Hitman trilogy. Uh, I have trashed this series to hell and back i call it dress up the game uh costume party the game party city the game um in in some respects i still i still stand by a lot of that because i think it does hang its hat a little too much on the costume swaps and everybody happens to be the same height and build as this man uh so he can just put on anything he wants and just slip right in and do his thing um I think that I was too harsh on the series, though, because the game does more than just costume swaps. There's a lot of depth there. And um, sometimes to its detriment, because the game can feel a little stiff sometimes and, and not feel as smooth or intuitive as other games do. But the amount of depth that goes into building out those 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 different levels, right? everybody's you know, all the prominent characters that are in that level having a set path and, and a pattern of what they're supposed to be doing um, when you start that mission off where they walk to what they do at a certain time frame um, that that makes this game again not to lay on this term too much throughout the episode but it does make these locations feel living and breathing right because everybody is out doing something Right. Right. And so you've got to figure out, okay, before that person goes upstairs to do the the meeting that happens or whatever, I got to figure out how to, you know, what change into this costume or go in there or spike their drink with poison or something before whatever happens. Right. And so I think coming back to it again and again, 
patience is kind of becoming a bit of a theme here. Um, especially like when I talked about horizon, I think I just needed to settle down, be patient with this game and really give it an opportunity to show me what it has to offer and not just assume uh, it's character going and dressing like a chef. Uh, right. And then a weird duck costume or something dumb like that. You know, it's it's got those quirks to it, yes, but there is a lot of really interesting nuance there that when I revisited the trilogy all in one shot, um, I realized, oh, okay, yeah, this is this has got something going for it that I didn't see before. So I was too harsh. So yeah, that's why it's on my list. Yeah, I, I remember you really. I think three really brought you. Uh, Three is the one that kind of got you going, right? Yeah, Playing yeah. In, two, I yeah. thought some of the levels in two were a little bit too bland. They all kind of blurred yeah. together in my mind. I think one and three had the most unique array of different levels yeah. and stuff. But yeah. And now that it's all one game now, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's really interesting. I, I, I've been meaning to check that out. But again, I'm not going to have time to. Um, Demon Souls, the original. Mm. I bought, I remember very clearly... It, there's a, a a little town here called Pointiana where I, I lived for many years. Uh, had a game. Uh, they have a um, GameStop. Went in there. I picked up Demon Souls because it was a new game, and the guy was like, "Dude, this game is awesome." I played this game for five, fifteen, twenty minutes and returned it the same. Like two, uh, two hours <laughs> for purchasing and me returning it. I told him like, "Ah, this I no, I don't know what this game is. This is not." a good game i think you're a ridiculous person and it was terrible i at least i thought um and long before the remake came out i actually replayed this a couple of years later after um uh after the uh souls games came out uh dark souls came out after dark souls one came out uh dark souls two actually and i went back to the to, to demon souls and honestly it just it's the first game of its kind. It's a it's a game that birthed this 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 incredibly obtuse gameplay combat style that even to this day isn't for everybody. It just so happens that it was for me. I just didn't know. And so going back to Demon Souls uh, thereafter, it was just a revelation because it was you saw the inception of what. Dark Souls became, and you saw all the steps that it took to kind of feed into into Dark Souls and the bosses, and and it was a little bit more accessible uh, than than uh, than Dark Souls for sure. Uh, and I thought that this game was really for me was the better version of one and two, uh, and then obviously the the remake comes out and solidifies that beyond like i love demon Souls. i think demon souls for me is my favorite of the soul series uh between actually dark souls 3 is it's but then it's demon souls oh, okay. for sure yeah yeah dark souls 3 is my shit but it, then it's demon souls uh it's just it, it's just a, it's an incredible story as well i mean you know take that with a grain of salt but you know the, at least the story they're telling here the 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 bosses are a little easier but it, the world that it's in is absolutely amazing uh and then the remake really made that stand out in a ways that uh i think that one and two lack that uh that world that demon souls is so uh, has such an abundance and yeah uh but yeah the remake it solidified all that for me and i love demon souls a game that literally went from i'm not this is complete and utter shit to one of my favorite games of all time that's a huge turnaround let me ask you where is it ranking for you on the list of like recent playstation 5 exclusives like console exclusives 
Where do you think it would be at for you right now? Think about God of Pro- War, Horizon, <laughs> Spider Man, all that. Where 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 are you where are you sitting this one? <laughs> Probably number one, man. Uh wow. like, like Demon Souls, Spider Man. No, let me it, it's the first God of War, Demon Souls. Spider Man, okay, Ragnarok. That's okay. probably where, where where I'm at with that. Because okay. uh, <laughs> that was that was I I remember Demon Souls is so good, man. That remake was mm. so good. Uh, I know you went back and played it, but I I, again, these these are not games for everybody. Not because Marco's less talented at the game. It's just it it requires a certain amount of patience, or I wouldn't even call it patience. Just an understanding of mechanics that if it if you don't like them. Then you're not. You're never gonna like them. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, really, on a pure level, if you're not willing to die and start over, you, then yeah. this is not the game for you. It just isn't. Yeah. And then, that, and that was always my hang up with these games. I don't want to start over. I want to move yeah. the needle. And Elden Ring was the exception for me because I could die, but I can just go do something else. I didn't. I, I wasn't stuck there. You know, I I, I yeah. didn't lose my souls and have to go all the way back to the. You know, the last chamber before the boss battle to get them all back and then hope I don't die again. Like, I could just, I can easily get them back. There's safe spots everywhere. I can go do something else. And, so. I, and I know the, this is like kind of like the obvious explanation. I think obvi- going into those Souls games, you have to be okay with that dying is part of the game mechanic. Like, you, you, you get better and better. You get to a bonfire where you reset there. You get better and better. And then you get to a further bonfire and you can reset mm-hmm. there. But if you're not willing to accept that, or if that's not something you like, yeah. then you're never going to like these kind of games. And I and I agree, Elden Ring definitely bypassed that by, okay, I died, fuck this, I'm going somewhere else. Right. Which is not something you can really do in other Souls-like games, so for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, the next game on my list, Pablo, is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Now, this, this, this game had three things working against it. Real-time strategy game, Rabbids, and Mario. Because <laughs> so, um, I'm not a Mario guy. I wasn't a Nintendo guy growing up. I you know, I like the games just fine. I don't want to be controversial. I do like me some Mario. Rabbids don't do anything for me at all. And strategy games, by and large, just don't, don't, they don't hit the same for me. I like turn-based RPGs, like JRPGs, but th- sure. this kind of thing, no, not, not for me. So there was no plan ever to buy this game. And... Um, when I did, I played it for about a solid hour, and I'm like, oh, all right, it's it's pretty good, but I, it's still, the same three factors were kind of uh, impacting me, and I just put it aside, <laughs> never thought about it again. Um, and then we got close to the release of the sequel, and I'm like, all right, you know, I got nothing to do, I'm in a lull, let me try it again, download it, see how I feel, and man, I put work into this game, and um, I think it's a series of different factors. I think, you know, I was... I was at a stage again where I was curious about strategy games once more. Um, I get like that every now and again when I think about Fire Emblem or Into the Breach. These kinds of things make me want to try other stuff that I didn't like the first time to see if I'd feel different. And obviously, you know, over time, you know, I've, I've become more comfortable with playing Mario games, even though they're really not for me and not a huge part of my gaming lineage. And so, you know, the gameplay was just fun. And I felt like the way that they incorporated the Mario style into this kind of game felt really smart and well done. Uh, the humor was kind of was kind of better than expected with the Rabbids and stuff with like Rabbid Peach particularly was my favorite. Yeah. I think she's hilarious. Um, I just thought it, it, it connected for me. And, and I, I guess I don't have a profound turnaround point. Um, it was just like, 
man, you know, it's better than I thought. And yep. I shouldn't have been as dismissive as I should have been or as I was about the game when it first dropped. So, yeah, it turned out to be a great game. And I totally understood why so many people like the ACGs of the world, for instance, were like, no, this is one of my favorite games in forever. Yeah. You know, and I could see why now. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, but my, my number one game in terms that I judge too harshly, it's that basic, basic bitch choice of <laughs> Better Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty based solely on the fact that Kojima lied to us. Uh, you know, you, you got the you got the tanker mission in the front where you're you're playing this traditional Metal Gear game with Solid Snake, and then this revelation happens, and Liquid is there, and you're like, oh, Ocelot or Ocelot is there with you know, Liquid's arm. You're like, oh my god, this is just going to be an epic Metal Gear Solid game, and we're gonna. And then the game opens up a lot like the original one game opens up. You know, you're swimming underwater. You're like, all right, or the homage. Like this is good. And then the silvered hair uh, <laughs> piece of shit uh, rises uh, rises out of the ashes. And his only sin is that he wasn't Solid Snake. When, the moment I realized that I wasn't playing, we're never going to play as Solid Snake or in that game, was when you meet Solid. Uh, like an hour after you're playing, right, and you meet him in this, and then you have this conversation, like, oh my Pliskin. god. Yeah, yeah, Pliskin. They're, they're treating him as like the old head giving the new head. I'm like, we're, are we really going to play as Raiden the whole time? And I and I kept hope, man. Anytime now, Switch never happened. Played that whole game begrudgingly, waiting for this thing to happen. Ignoring the fact that this game is absolutely fucking incredible. Uh, and then, obviously, at towards the end, when everything pops off, uh, that, that never really got me. Like, the whole, the whole, like, last three hours of that game is like, just, oh, shit. And then, going back to that game almost immediately and replaying it all mm. and really enjoying what he did there and understanding why he kind of had to lie. Like he took answers had to ask so many questions about why it's a new character. I, I like that. He used the marketing as part of the intrigue of the game itself. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously come on, Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty is one of the best games uh, ever made. Second best Metal Gear Solid game after three. I know Marco mm -hmm. is not, mm -hmm. uh, not about that, but yeah, I thought you were going to come clean and come and, and eat your crow today and say it's the best pound for pound metal gear ever no 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 metal gear side three is is, oh, is on that Cold but, I, but, but look but but metal, metal gear solid 2 had so much working against it because it's mm -hmm. a complete different character uh they're and they're, it was that was it that was your guy and i turned around i know a lot of people i remember the discourse even as a youngster that other people were bagging on writing like oh he's so soft i remember that going to school people talking about like oh who's looks this like guy a girl. He's not, oh, yeah it looks like a girl all that stuff obviously Meta, uh Metal Gear 4 redeemed him and then revengeance mm -hmm. like took him to the next level um i i think that everything with him with rose i think that they it was a i think it was utilized perfectly and it made perfect sense as to why raiden was the main character of metal gear solid 2 uh but i had i, I did literally have to play that game and then and something i've not done since i don't think roll credits started over and be like haha yeah this game is awesome like <laughs> so stupid like i was just so mad i was so toxic i guess so bad that, that he was there terrible. wasn't uh but but love this game love this game all so, this yeah. proves is you've been diabolical for a long time man. <laughs> i played this game on ps2 last year uh yeah. and man this game holds up so good man it, it the does. story is good memorable characters vamp and um you know uh, the, emma i mean the the, the emma and and, and Otacon stuff got a little yeah, melodramatic yeah. towards the end there but man it, that game does. olga was out there the learning about the patriots the lolly lulelo the lolly uh, 
No, not, not the Lilo Dallas, whatever you were trying to say right there. All the Lilo. No, the no, no. guns of the the the, the guns See, of my mom. He's not legit. He's not legit. But uh, this the, game uh, is legit, though, man. Yeah, it's, it is. It's better than Metal Gear Solid Three. Uh, no, now my last game that I nope. judged too harshly, Mass Effect Three, is uh, is is one that I I had to put on this list. And it was because of the the backlash, the ending, the people that just raged against Bioware about, oh, the ending is so terrible, it's so awful, blah, blah, blah. And then the memes that came out, Marauder Shields and all that stuff, man, it was, it was taking bullets everywhere. And I think it just, me kind of where I was at as a gamer at the time, I let that stuff in, impact my enjoyment of a game more than I do now, where... I don't need somebody to tell me how I feel about a game. I can assess that on my own. I think I was probably more impressionable back then. Um, coming back to it recently with the trilogy that came out, um, the Legacy Edition, and playing it with all the extra DLC and and just creating that time away from the game when it came out and the zeitgeist was what it was and, and just seeing it for what it is present day, I was like, man, this game is actually great. Um, the story arc is is better than people gave it credit for. I think the finality you get and closure you get with a lot of the supporting companions that you um, you have throughout the game comes together beautifully well. I even think that the ending, even though obviously it's been enhanced since the original ending came out, I think the ending is great. Um, I think there is a canon ending in there, um, but I'm sure we'll probably connect the dots about when the next Mass Effect drops. Um, but I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was absolutely fine. Some of the characters, the newer characters kind of sucked and, you know, the gameplay to me didn't feel as good as two did personally speaking. So it wasn't a perfect game, but I thought that coming back to it recently, it was like, man, I, I was way too cruel on the game and I kind of fell for the, the outrage that was going on around it. And I didn't just let myself experience it for myself if that makes sense. And so it, it, you know, now that my, my thoughts are not as tampered uh, by what other people have said about that game and I see it for what it truly is. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Good ass game. I missed that conversation of mass effect three, like when it ha- first started. So after I finished, it, I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, people were like, well, you didn't really get the endings in terms of nothing came together. Like not a lot of things come together at the end. I was like, Oh, I guess, but I thought it was pretty good. But I just missed the conversation. I probably would have been the same way if I would have caught on to that conversation early. It would have been like, you're right. All the choices don't matter, but they do. <laughs> they're, they're, it was, it was good. And yeah. Honestly, what that did do is give us a really cool DLC with the Citadel DLC, which was awesome. So, oh, that was great. That was a good yeah. time. Good times indeed. Yeah. Um, all right, man. I think we have eaten enough crow uh, on the games we judged too harshly over the years. Uh, maybe we'll return to this subject again down the road if we have more uh, games that come to mind. But that was a good time for sure. Uh, that is going to do it for this week's show, though. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, please be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget... Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Hive, wherever you are on the social medias, follow us there. I know everybody says to do that, but we really appreciate it because we're young, we're growing up, we're trying to be a big boy in the podcast world, and we need your help to do that uh, with, with your follows. So do that, please. This man said, this man said he's young with and he's talking and his knees like I just I'm literally massaging my right knee right now. It is hurting <laughs> at this juncture we're, at this point in time. We're young and he takes a damn uh 
butter scotch okay. candy just popped into his mouth. Or <laughs> those strawberry ones that no one knows where to buy. Oh my uh, yeah. god. Yeah. All right. Well, I gotta go put on some ointment for my knee. Uh <laughs> Until next time. I gotta go sit on a couch and just uh, suck on my teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. Yep. All right. Icy Hot's calling my name, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you check us out next week for more of this ridiculousness. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make me feel